Sentire Media. Hello everyone and welcome to A History of Italy. Episode 46, Matilda of Tuscany, the Iron Countess of Canossa, Part 2. We interrupted the story of Matilda last time, after the humiliation of Emperor Henry IV at Canossa, and arrived at the year 1080, in which Henry was able to overcome his rival and anti-king Rudolf of Swabia, and could now turn his attention on his enemies, Pope Gregory VII and Matilda herself. It was not actually he, but an army of northern Italian bishop counts who struck the first blow on October 15th when their army defeated that of the countess at the Battle of Volta Mantovana and sent them fleeing for the hills. We cannot say that Matilda was ever in the thick of a battle, waving a sword, but she was a hands-on military commander. Rangerio, biographer of Anselm of Lucca, writes, Matilda herself organizes her troops, and she puts herself at their head. She is not swayed by sleepless nights or by the cold. They do not induce her to leave her men. Aside from military situations, she would have spent most of her time in the saddle in all sorts of weather and at any time of year. She was now the administrator of one of the largest areas in the country. That meant that she would have to move around it, for listeners will remember that nobles at that time, as well as running their domain, would also have administered justice and kept the peace. This would have meant everything from settling disputes among vassals and in cities to taking care of the pirates that ran rampant along the Po River. However, at this point, Matilda of Canossa, now 35 years of age, after reigning over much of northern Italy, was reduced to a few castles in the Regimilia Apennines. She was in no position to hope Pope Gregory, who, by this time, was under siege from the emperor in Rome. The best she could do was to collect the precious objects she had in some of her churches and monasteries, such as the monastery of Nonantola and the church of Regimilia. She was able to gather together enough to melt down and obtain 70 pounds of silver and nine of gold to send to Rome to help the Pope resist the siege of the imperial troops. It was all to no avail. In 1081, some of the cities of Tuscany rebelled against her, and Henry took advantage of the situation to declare in Lucca in that same year that she was guilty of lesa maestà, of treason, and that all her lands were forfeit. Matilda took no notice of this. In 1083, Henry was able to enter Rome and take control of part of the city he could now finally have a coronation, which he did in San Giovanni Laterano on the 31st of March, 1084, at the hands of his antipope, whom he had whipped up, Clement III. 
he didn't bother hanging around too long because the real Pope had called the Normans to his aid and they were coming. As Henry made his way back up north, he thought he would have another go at Matilda and he laid siege to the castle of Sorbara in the present-day province of Modena, which was part of her holdings. Legend would have it that the imperial troops, as they settled in for the siege of the castle, found some barrels of high-quality Lambrusco wine, good local stuff, which Matilda had accidentally let drop. With the imperials well into their wine and sleeping off the hangover, Matilda, along with soldiers from one of her allied cities, Bologna, attacked in the night. Matilda from the south and the Bolognese from the east. Thanks to the element of surprise and the wine, they gained a great victory. We know very well that the investiture controversy continued for quite some time after that, but the Battle of Sorbara, although it was a minor one, allowed a pause in the actual fighting that would last until the following decade. The great news of the Battle of Sorbara, which had occurred on the 2nd of July 1084, was not enough to lift the Pope out of the state in which he now found himself. He was in exile in Salerno with the Normans, after they had sacked Rome, and the Romans had blamed the Pope for inviting them in. Pope Gregory VII died in exile on the 25th of March, 1085. Matilda had lost another ally, another mentor, another friend. She saw consolation in her counsellor and friend Anselm. Unfortunately, he too died in March of the following year. And once again, Matilda was alone in the world. And once again, duty called. A new pope had been elected, and he needed help getting into Rome, because Emperor Henry's antipope, Clement III, was in his place. The new pope, Victor III, also needed help getting into Rome, because he didn't want to get into Rome. He wanted to stay in his comfortable monastery at Monte Cassino, and, let's face it, who could blame him? Once again, Matilda donned her spurs, got on her horse and took some troops down to Rome. In Rome, a real battle ensued and the forces of Matilda were able to free St. Peter's. However, they were not able to free the whole city. For a year, Rome was divided with continuous skirmishes in the streets and in the confusion, Desiderius of Monte Cassino, Pope Victor III, who, as we said, hadn't really hadn't wanted the job, while everyone was looking the other way, snuck back to Monte Cassino. Matilda went back and dragged him back to Rome, where in the fighting St. Peter's was lost and won four times. Once more, Desiderius snuck off back to Monte Cassino, and this time he found a way for Matilda to leave him there in peace. On the 16th of September, 1087, he died and nothing makes it difficult for you to be dragged back to Rome to be a pope, like dying. After Victor III came another biggie, 
Urban II, but we'll stick with Matilda for the moment. Although things were more or less quiet on the Henry front, she knew that it was only a matter of time before things got started up again. She was in her early forties now, and so she thought it might be time for an anti-imperial marriage alliance. The fact that the future hubby needed to be in the anti-imperial camp restricted the choice a bit, but surely, among the enemies of the emperor, there was a handsome, rugged, experienced warrior that could also aid Matilda in her management of her lands, and at least give her a bit of support, if not some peace. Maybe he could even be a bit ripped and sexy. Well, apparently. There was no such man available. The choice instead fell on the seventeen-year-old Welf II of Bavaria. Those of you who are hoping that Matilda had at least found an energetic, good-looking toy boy will be disappointed to know that Welf, in Italian, was known as Guelfo il Pingue, a word of Latin origin meaning fat, and one of the possible origins of the word. Penguin. Unfortunately, it was only a marriage of political convenience. And eventually, in 1095, Matilda and her fat penguin would go their separate ways. Meanwhile, they were ready to face Henry together, and he, once he had dealt with the Saxons again, was ready to deal with them. His first move was to make his way down. To an allied city, Verona, where he arrived on the tenth of April, ten ninety. From there, he laid siege to the nearby Mantua, where Matilda and Welf had gone to wait for him. Now, the free citizens of Mantua had been chafing under the rule of the Canossa for some time, and Matilda and Welf knew that they needed to gain the favor of those citizens if they wanted to hold out against the siege. They made a series of concessions to the authority of the city, but it was too little, too late. Thanks in part to the sabotaging activities of the Mantuans, the city fell in 1091. This was a great blow for Matilda. It had been the capital of her father Bonifacio at the height of his power, and now she had lost it. The loss of the city of Mantua. Showed one of the countess's flaws, namely her inability to understand the new nature of Italian politics, the decline of the feudal system, and the rise of the city-states. Henry entered the city, and later it was he who rewarded the citizens with greater autonomy. Matilda and her tubby hubby penguin retreated to the Apennine fortresses of the Canossa. Henry spent the winter in the Po Valley. At a certain point, news reports reached Matilda that Henry had ventured across the Po River with a small number of soldiers and was therefore vulnerable. She set out. She set out immediately with her troops, but she was betrayed by one of her captains, Ugo del Manso, and she found a considerably larger force than expected waiting for her. She was defeated once again. And retreated to the hills. After the winter, Henry took the offensive again, 
and took hold of the areas around Bologna and Modena, and he laid siege to the important castle of Monteveglio. This was Matilda's darkest hour. A meeting was held in her castle of Carpineti to consider offering peace terms to Henry, when a monk, a hermit monk from the small Apennine village of Marola, spoke up. I wasn't able to find what he actually said, but evidently it was convincing enough to persuade everyone to continue with the fight. The choice almost immediately seemed to be the correct one when Henry gave up on the siege of Monteveglio. He then made his way to the city of Reggio Emilia and let slip he was proceeding on towards Parma. This was an early example of fake news and he was really heading straight for Matilda's stronghold in the Apennines. She was not fooled and he found her ready. Generally speaking, people who are fighting in familiar terrain against an invader who is unfamiliar with the terrain have a great advantage. If you add the hilly landscape covered in forests and an impressive series of fortresses, it meant that the emperor was in for a rough time. The continued hit-and-run attacks of Matilda's force ground down Henry's troops. In the end, he was able to pin her down and make her commit to a pitched battle in an uninhabited valley that came to be known as Madonna della Battaglia, the Madonna of the Battle. Now, the area the action was taking place in is known for various things. Good food. Terrible if you have cholesterol problems, but great in taste. Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. Lambrusco wine and fog. Lots and lots and lots of fog. The patron saint of the city of Regimilia, Saint Prosper, is famous for having saved the city from barbarian invasion by praying and having thick fog come down so that the barbarians completely missed the city. Well, Saint Prosper must have been looking out for his own in October of 1092, for when an abbot, Giovanni, brought a group of monks and priests together for a good hard prey, fog did indeed fall on the battlefield, allowing a great victory for the troops of Matilda. After the battle, the countess had a statue erected, and later a church was built there, which, after being rebuilt in 1724, stands there to this day. This was a great moment for Our Lady, and although Henry remained in Italy for another five years, he no longer seemed able to seriously threaten her. Indeed, the tide was really turning. The cities of Milan, Cremona, Lodi and Piacenza all declared for Matilda, meaning that Henry was now almost completely surrounded. The countess moved in for the kill, targeting not the emperor himself, but his beloved son, Conrad, whom he had thought for a long time of making king of Italy. Matilda managed to get in touch with Conrad and convince him that only she and her allies could really offer the crown of the kingdom of Italy. Any title that his father could offer him over the northern part of the peninsula 
would have been an empty one, because he did not have full control there. The young man who lived under the shadow of his father could not resist the temptation of wielding real power. So it was that in the year 1093, Conrad, son of Henry IV, Holy Roman Emperor, was crowned King of Italy by Pope Urban II in Monza with the iron crown of the Lombards. After being one of the agents of his humiliation at Canossa, after being a thorn in his side for so many years, the Countess Matilda had now taken Henry's son. It was a devastating blow for the Emperor. Meanwhile, young Conrad quickly got the very nasty feeling that he had been duped. All of the wealth and power he had been tempted with were not quite as expected. Indeed, he had no power, no wealth at all, and he was wandering around as a guest, but had no army, nor titles, nor lands. Despite later also being crowned Holy Roman Emperor and being found a wife, he continued to be no more than a noble, yet poor guest. He died in the year 1101, forgotten and unimportant, no doubt resenting his father and the Countess Matilda, who had fooled him along with her ally, Pope Urban II. It is in this period that Matilda once again tried to bring a man into the picture. This time she had given up on the toy boy idea, so she went for the idea of an adoptive son. The man chosen was a certain Guido Guerra from the Florentine family of the same name. It seemed that they had got the name, which means war, by being really good at just that, fighting. He appeared in some official documents with which Matilda made donations. For example, he appears in a document in which he donated lands to the monastery of San Michele, in which he is identified as Adoptivus Filius, adoptive son. In the end, this adoption didn't work out either. It seems that the Countess was destined to spend the rest of her days alone. In any case, with Henry IV leaving Italy in 1097, she was free to take back her considerable lands and consolidate them. It wasn't all easy. In Parma, for example, the citizens rebelled against the new bishop that had been placed there, Bernardo, during the celebrations of the Immaculate Conception. The citizens rebelled and took the bishop captive. It took a military intervention by Matilda to free him. She did not seek revenge on the city. After all, she wanted it back for keeps. She also made a series of concessions to other cities, and she received calls for assistance from cities that had not been under her influence, such as the League formed by Milan, Lodi and Cremona. It was getting harder and harder for the aging Countess to continue. As time passed, she made more and more donations to the churches and monasteries. The start of the 12th century saw a lull in the struggle against the empire, at least in terms of actual fighting. We know that another son of Henry, also called Henry, rebelled against his father and ended up becoming king of Germany as Henry V. But no German army came to Italy until 1110. 
In that time, the countess continued as usual, administering justice, making donations, keeping the peace with brigands and pirates, and dealing with the ever-increasing drive for independence of the Italian cities. The investiture controversy came knocking again in 1110, as Henry V now came down with an army. Matilda once again took to her hilltop fortifications and prepared again for the worst. However, this time around, Henry sent a delegation to her, and they were able to smooth things out, let bygones be bygones and so on. Matilda was once again reintegrated into her holdings and considered a loyal vassal of the empire. She had had enough of the fighting against huge odds, and she really saw the peace between empire and papacy as the way forward in Europe. Henry V's visit to the area to this day is commemorated in the Corteo Matildico. They have a long period costume procession with people dressed up as peasants, knights, lords and ladies. Then they have reenactments of jousting games and flag juggling. After that, they have two sometimes relatively famous actors, or at least in Italy, playing Henry and Matilda doing a little bit. The only issue is that they usually use a young woman as Matilda, although at the time she was around 64 years old. But never mind. Reaching 64 in the early 12th century was quite a feat. Even more so when you have spent your entire life running a large country on your own and fighting against one of the great powers of the time. Matilda's end was drawing near. In the summer of 1114, the gout from which she had suffered became more and more painful. She made her way to the peace and quiet of the small village of Bondanazzo between the cities of Reggio Emilia and Mantua. She had a small chapel built to where she could hear the mass to bring her comfort. The news of her death made its way around more than once, but she held on for another seven months. Finally, in July of 1115, the Bishop of Reggio Emilia had her kiss the crucifix, and she lay back and died. With the death of Matilda, we say goodbye to the last of the three great protagonists of the start of the investiture controversy, after Gregory VII in 1085 and Henry IV in 1106. Like Gregory and Henry, she died with no family members around her. However, unlike the other two, she did not die in exile with a sense of failure, but in her own lands. Over which she had firm control, and in the place of her choice. What's more, she died with the certainty that she had always done her duty, to the very end. She had ruled for over forty years, almost completely alone, daring to be a woman of power without a man, at a time when women were supposed to be content with being wives and mothers. History is not made of clear cuts and distinctions, and and a lot of what characterized Italian history after Matilda was already developing during her time in power. 
Yet, we can say that with the death of Matilda, Magravine of Tuscany, and Countess of Canossa, we see an end of the feudal age in Italy, and the start of a period that makes Italy so unique in European history. The rise of the city-states, the communes. So, it's time for us to say goodbye to Matilda, to the little red-haired girl who stood with her mother after the death of her father Bonifacio, to the wise and patient administrator, to the defender of the church, to the fierce warrior countess. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. Thanks in particular to my lovely Patreon donors, the Anita and Giuseppe Garibaldi level, Sean, Jeff and Ed, the Matilde di Canossa and Giuseppe Mazzini level, Benjamin, Roberta and YR, the Margarita Hack and Galileo Galilei level, Chris, Stephen, Vincent, Jay, Shelby, Caitlin, Ben, Dean, Ignazio and Silane, thanks to the top level, Maria Montessori and Dante Alighieri level Sen, and welcome, welcome, welcome to new Patreon supporter Maddie B. Thanks very much and welcome aboard. Remember, you can get in touch. Hello at ahistoryofitaly.com. If you would also like to become a Patreon donor, you can go over to patreon.com slash ahistoryofitaly and have access to extra content. On our website, www.ahistoryofitaly.com, you can find timelines, reading suggestions, and other content that can help you navigate our country's complicated history. Once again, thanks very much to everyone. Until next time, arrivederci. I have come to take you to Rome. Uh, Rome? Uh, well, yes. Um, do, we, do we really have to go? I mean, uh, I could do the poppy things uh, from here, you see. There's beer and nice gardens. They all leave me alone and nobody tries to kill me. The Pope must be in Rome. Oh, all right. Mamma mia. Amen to St. Peter's. Where is the Pope? My lady, he has disappeared. Victor, to Rome. No, I don't want to. You can't make me. Ow, ow. St. Peter is one. Where is the Pope now? He's gone again, my lady. Not again.
All right. So now we are playing dead, are we? Um, he is dead, my lady. Oh. Sentire media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.